Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Another step taken towards the legalization of sports betting in our state. I'll talk to Jill Dorson of SportsHandle.com about exactly what happened earlier this week. And in a couple minutes, NBA playoff conversation with Tony Mejia. Thanks for hanging out every Saturday morning at 8.30, Sports Radio 670, The Score. And make sure you're subscribed to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast. Easy to find on 670thescore.com so you don't miss an episode. Now, before we get to the NBA, we start with the popularity of the NFL draft actually ascending. And it's because of sports betting. The NFL draft, always a blast, especially if you're both an NFL and a college football fan. But even if you're just focused on the NFL. How is my team going to improve itself? Uh, What are the teams that we're trying to beat in the division? What are they doing to try and take that next step? So the big takeaway was from some of the prop bets, especially the over-unders. I saw them set on 11 different players. And once you think about it, there's always a surprise. And the first shocker this year in the first round was with the Oakland Raiders, right? They take a player that Many didn't even have going in the first round, maybe a day two player. And then the Giants take a quarterback, Daniel Jones at number six overall, that many thought would go later on in the draft. And so what happens? Overs start hitting on these overs and unders on the player props. Overs went nine and two. The only unders that hit were Quinn and Williams by a half and Josh Jacobs, I think, by a pick or two. Those were the only unders that hit. So that is potentially something to keep in mind in the future. A lot of these numbers are just following some of the top mocks that are out there. And we know that it's rare for things to go to form, like some of the mock drafters are expecting. Some other things with the NFL props. Running back, there was one. Everybody had one going, Jacobs. So that ends up being a push. Now, it was defensive heavy. So the quarterback number set at three and a half. Everybody says over, over, over. Three go. Lock doesn't go until the second round. So that's under three and a half. Wide receiver, under two and a half. Tight ends, under two and a half. All these unders in a mostly defensive draft. 
Take a look at the conferences. Big 10 over six and a half players. ACC over five and a half. Pac-12 over two and a half. Well, SEC has so much talent, it's got to go over. No, it went under 11 and a half. Big 12 goes under three and a half. With the 2020 draft in Vegas, I'm telling you, there are going to be more and more of these props, and they are so exciting. The public is eating them up. The books didn't get completely hammered this year. Thanks in part because of that quarterback prop that went under three and a half. Just something to keep in the back of your steel trap for next year. You might want to look at going over some of these numbers because there are going to be surprises. That means players are going to fall and go later than expected. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. We welcome in an NBA expert. His name is Tony Mejia of VegasInsider.com. Follow him on Twitter at Tony Mejia. NBA and Tony, we've got to start with what we've seen so far in the NBA playoffs. Now we're getting rid of some of those bottom feeders in the East. They're moving on to the second round. Are we going to see competitive basketball more consistently now? I think so. We had a couple of surprises early and then talent took over, adjustments took over. You know, it'll be interesting, I think, in the Boston Milwaukee series, how much officiating plays a role. And as far as Toronto-Philly, I mean, I'm looking forward to game one just to see how Marcus Gasol deals with his assignment because he wasn't a part of any of the regular season meetings. Same thing with Tobias Harris. So, I mean, we're really seeing two new variables thrown in there. Yeah, let's dive into the individual games coming up later today and also some of these series prices or potential series prices that we'll see down the road. We have a couple of games this evening. Game one, conference semis, you just mentioned the Sixers at the Raptors. Toronto is favored by six, a total of 223. Some people looking at what happened during the season. I don't know that it matters much. Some of those games played before Jimmy Butler was on the roster. The Sixers are just above 500 on the year on the road. The Raptors dominated. They are 34-10, and 10, including the playoffs at home. Exactly. Jimmy Butler, I think, was early on, wasn't in a bunch of those because a couple of those were early. And then no Harris and no Gasol. And Gasol has a nice history against Joel Embiid of slowing him down. So, uh, I mean, if, if he's able to, to impose his will the way he did against uh, Nick Vucevic and the Magic, I think he's the X factor. You know, you can take away that Ben Simmons shot 63% from the field against the Raptors. He was in all four games. Kawhi played in three of them. Average 30 points and four steals. So those guys should be constants. But yeah, I mean, absolutely looking forward to seeing what, what kind of pace even prevails in this, considering uh, it should be drastic, a drop off from, from the fastest pace series in the first round with Brooklyn to Toronto, who's going to slow things down a little bit. Uh, for tonight, do you worry about Toronto's history of struggling in game ones? Feels like it's completely different with Siakam playing such a big role, and obviously Kawhi Leonard as your leader, Marcus Sol as well. It, it, it's just a completely different team. I think Kyle Lowry will show up and play his role. The key with him is since he obviously can't defend Ben Simmons, he's, he's got a man up against JJ Redick and uh, and not get uh, screened off. Uh, the series price is the Raptors heavy favorites minus two fifty five. Philadelphia plus 215. Whether we're talking about the game or the series, could be also be the total. Anything jump out to you? I mean, I just like Toronto in the series out of out of the two in the East because I do consider the other one a toss-up. This one more clearly stands out to me as one where I can kind of see the finish line um, from, from the standpoint where if the Raptors defend the way they can and Joel Embiid isn't 100%, 
you're not going to see the dramatic margin of, of points in the paint and, and second chance points that really killed the, the Nets' chances of making that a much longer series. The Raptors, a quality opponent, I think, will take advantage of that. A 9.05 tip tonight, round one, game seven over in the Western Conference. The Spurs visiting the Nuggets. Denver also favored by six. The total lower here, it's 209. The most recent game, I had the over as, as my lock, and, and really that first half played out beautifully with everybody getting off. And, and I think the key to seeing a, a, a fast pace prevail again in this Game 7 is Nikola Jokic being aggressive because the Spurs have no way to stop him and have to go fast on the other end just to kind of keep up because that is the way I think you take Jokic out of things, is, is you move at an accelerated pace. The Warriors did that in every statement game they played against the Nuggets. I think if the Spurs are going to win a game seven, they're going to push pace, and, and it'll be another 115-110 type game. Do you lean to a specific side of the team that will be moving on to play Portland? I'm pot committed on San Antonio. Okay. I, had them, I had them in seven, so here we are. <laughs> uh, very nice. If we're looking at the Spurs against the Blazers, Dame Lillard just looks like a man on a mission this season, especially the other night when he threw up 50 and he had that buzzer beater. Uh, who do you like there if that's the matchup? Yeah, I mean, Derek White's going to have his hands full, and he's really been a, a wonderful X factor uh, in saving that season when, with uh, DeJounte Murray going out in training camp, you know, playing that role as the top defender on a team that really doesn't defend very well. But, yeah, he'll have his hands full with both Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum, who came back from his injury uh, really nicely. All right, the other Eastern Conference semifinal series will begin tomorrow. Boston at Milwaukee. I, I don't know about this noon start local time here. The Bucks favored by 7.5, total 223.5. And, and the Bucks are big-time favorites for the series. It's up to minus 310. Celtics plus 255 on the other side. Never would have guessed that would be the price at the beginning of the season. Yeah, from a sheer value standpoint, you, you have to ride with the Celtics. And at this point, I would favor the Bucks to get to the, to, to the NBA Finals. But you throw this series price out there, it makes you think twice. There's really not much value in Milwaukee. Malcolm Brogdon out games one and two. So that kind of mitigates the fact that Boston doesn't have Marcus Smart because both teams are limited depth-wise. The Celtics have a puncher's chance here because Kyrie Irving has played extremely well against Derek Bledsoe, and that's the key matchup. Yeah, this feels like it could end up being a long series. Who knows? Something I'm going to be looking at is we have a great matchup of head coaches here. Absolutely. No question. Two tacticians. If this is going to be the odds throughout the series, somewhere close to this with the home team favored this much, uh, are you willing to lay it? Uh, I think game one of any series is one that should favor the home team, especially if you can knock down free throws late in games. But I think this particular one is the exception because you don't have Brogdon, who's who's a 90% free throw shooter. Bledsoe has struggled at the line. So if, if you're closing out a game that is six to eight points, and Kyrie Irving's on the other end firing up three-pointers trying to get you back in, that's backdoor cover territory. So, yeah, normally I would, I would favor Milwaukee in this situation. Seeing this many points, I'm kind of leaning towards Boston. All right, let's go to the other matchup in the Western Conference. Uh, we know it's going to be the Warriors taking on the Rockets. I don't think anybody saw the Clippers pushing the Warriors this deep into the series. Does that surprise you? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, I, I thought they would get one game, but it just shocks me that the, not, not that the Clippers hung around in Game 7, 
but the fact that they lost that lead late, that the Warriors rescued most in-game bets to where people were, were sweating it out and, and finally got that lead with, with a couple minutes to go. And then the Clippers go on an 8-0 run and win the game. I didn't see that one coming at all. And it just goes to show that the, the Warriors are vulnerable defensively yeah. uh, more than anything else this season. So we're so used to jumping on the Warriors after some of those losses. I'm kind of starting to wonder, Tony, whether or not this is the year. This is the year somebody ends up taking out Golden State, Kevin Durant leaves at the end of the season, all sorts of drama. I think if it happens, it's going to be Houston. So it happens immediately and it happens next. But James Harden now walking around with some wrap on his arm. Uh, If I'm Golden State, I want to get into that series as quickly as possible. Like Philadelphia, like Boston, do you expect Houston to be in that plus 200, maybe up to 225, 250 range? The first number, the, the initial numbers were what? They, they almost plus 280, I think. Yeah. Westgate. Uh, now I think that, you know, you, they have to come down a little bit. Certainly their, their uh, title futures have, even within the series, just because they've had to work extra against the Clippers and the Rockets got to rest. But, uh, um, you know, it'll probably stay in that neighborhood. And, yeah, certainly the value is on Houston. I mean, Houston's odds to win the entire title are just a little bit better than winning this series. So from that standpoint, you know, if you're, if you're riding the Rockets and you think that the Warriors are, are fit to be tied this season, this is the series to back. All right, so if Houston ends up taking them down, now all things are in play. Now you're willing to take a look at some NBA futures, or is it just too late and the, the value's gone? I mean, I think there's still value in Portland if you if you want to go crazy and, and say, you know, we, we've got total chaos because the, the Warriors are dead and, and maybe the Rockets really exhaust themselves in doing that. I draw the line at the Spurs. I don't think they quite get there. But, you know, depending on Spurs Nuggets, the Nuggets might finally find a rhythm getting out of this tough series, you know, having gained some experience. So, yeah, the West is wide open if the Rockets knock off uh, the Warriors, you know, from that standpoint, I think just because they finally get by Golden State uh, doesn't accomplish the mission for Houston. Yeah, if you're buying into that, go ahead with the Blazers. To win the West, they're plus 1850, and I'm seeing to win the NBA title, uh, 42-1 to for Portland. And it, all it takes is hot shooting. I mean, Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum can take over a series with that, and, and Seth Curry. Tony, appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of the NBA playoffs, all right? Uh, anytime, Joe. I appreciate it. He's Tony com. Follow him on Twitter at Tony Mejia NBA. There was a second informational hearing downtown Chicago on Thursday. So let's find out what happened. We bring in Jill R. Dorson, does some fine work on the legalization of sports betting on sportshandle.com. She joins us on Early Odds. How you doing, Jill? Great, Joe. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on. Please inform the audience, what happened at this second hearing on Thursday? So Thursday's informational hearing, again, was the second one um, that was run by Bob Rita and Mike Zulueski, and they run excellent hearings. There were panelists who spoke about mobile sports betting, whether to have it or whether not to. Colleges were represented, as well as gaming opposition and local governments who were asking for a seat at the table. So the lead certainly sounds like mobile sports betting and myself with some people, others that are following this closely, feeling a little uneasy, even though nothing's really changed as you see Iowa and Indiana, some states surrounding us are just waiting on a signature from the governor. And May 31st, of course, the big date, the end of the legislative session. Do you think that sports betting would pass in Illinois with Pritzker's signature without mobile? 
It's an interesting question, um, and I found from not just in Illinois but states across the country, most lawmakers want to have mobile. They understand that it's where the money is, but there seems to be a disconnect between, I guess, some the lawmakers who are schooled in sports betting and the lawmakers who aren't, and so they're having some trouble selling it to their peers. So I would say that in uh, Illinois, Mike Zaleski, who's the sponsor of the bill, certainly wants to have mobile, but it's unclear, I think, even to him at this point about whether or not he'll be able to pass a bill that's essentially a gaming expansion that does include mobile sports betting. Yeah, Prisker has made this clear. This is all about getting money for the state. He expects $200 million bucks in licenses, but it really seems pointless, Jill, if 80% of the revenue is via mobile apps, uh, and we do everything on our phones now. If you pass this and then you follow the Mississippi model and you have to go to a casino or a racino. Well, there's two pieces, uh, Joe, to what you're talking about. The first is that the fees that Illinois has proposed in at least some of the amendments are astronomically high. Mm-hmm. And similar to in Pennsylvania, where there was a $10 million licensing fee, and it's been a very slow process in Pennsylvania to get sports book operators to pay the fee. And it's unlikely that they'll be able to sell all of their licenses. They have 13, I believe, earmarked, and I think they've sold eight of them. Um, but it's taken more than a year at this point. And so the first question is whether the licensing fee will remain at $10 million because it makes it tough for an operator to do business having put out that money on the front end. And then in terms of, you know, the other mobile piece, certainly New Jersey's proven that the money's in mobile. And it would be great, I think, for Illinois or any state to be able to capture that. But we've seen in other states, Rhode Island in particular, where they passed a bill with no mobile, and then they came back three or four months later and they added the mobile piece. Whether that's a possibility in Illinois, I don't know, but I think that it could pass without mobile. Yeah, the expectations are pretty lofty for the the immediate revenue. What do you think is a sweet spot? Half of that, maybe $5 million a license, potentially $100 million? Well, I, I think the answer to that question is unique to every state, but but even $5 million is much higher than most other states. The average seems to be in the $100,000 department mm-hmm. um, and with renewals and sometimes other fees. But as you'll hear from operators in sports betting, it's a very thin margin business. And every dollar that they have to pay out is, you know, represents money that they're not taking in. And at the end of the day, it can be the difference between being in the black and being in the red. I was very interested in your piece on sportshandle.com about the geofencing panel. What did you learn there? Well, I've actually spoken with the people from uh, GeoComply outside of this hearing as well, Um, and they appear to do a really great job at geofencing, which is basically just putting a virtual fence around an area so that you can determine if the person is inside that area to gamble. So it could be inside of a bar or it could be inside of a state. You know, what we heard from John Pappas um, from GeoComply was that they're equipped to do it and they've been doing it everywhere and that they're very secure. And, you know, in an argument for the mobile sports betting that it's actually more secure and you have more information about the people who are betting if, if you go mobile. Because in order to register for mobile, you have to provide a lot more information and that information initially is provided to GeoComply. And then they pass that along to the operators. I was shocked to see that, and it's just one example, but in New Jersey, what, close to 50% of the bets are coming in near the border? Actually, I think the number was 50% is what they project for Illinois, and the number in New Jersey is higher. And I want to say that it's 
70, 80 percent, I can't remember exactly. Um, but some of it, you know, has to do with population density, right? I mean, New Jersey, you have a much higher density of population closer to the border because it's commute traffic into New York. That certainly makes sense. With Jill R. Dorson of SportsHandle.com, you've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670, The Score, and the Radio.com app. Opposition, let's talk about them. Even most recently, a few weeks ago, in the piece on 60 Minutes that I'm sure that you saw, we hear amateur athletes brought up again and again. Some of these states that are passing sports betting, how are they handling college sports? Well, you know, it's different state to state. In states like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, it is legal to bet on college sports, whether it's a local sports team or not. In Rhode Island, it is illegal to bet on a Rhode Island college sports team and illegal to bet, I believe, on any college event happening in Rhode Island. In Illinois, there was discussion about that with uh, Larry Lyons of, and I don't want to say the wrong school, Illinois State, um, representing he said 12 of the 13 Division One colleges in Illinois, and that they're all on the same page and that they don't want their events being bet on. They want to protect their athletes. They feel very strongly that college athletes are not protected in the same way as professional athletes, meaning that other students have access to them, teachers have access to them. Anybody can walk onto campus and talk to, you know, Zion Williamson. And so they would like to see no sports betting on college sports, but it appears that they'll agree to no sports betting on Illinois college sports teams who are playing in Illinois. Yeah, I don't think that would be a big deal here because obviously a ton of big uh, sports fans here at the college level too, but everybody roots for a different team. It's not like there's so much betting on just the in-state teams here. So I don't think that would be a big deal. Esports, I don't know a ton about it, but the growth is so rapid. I know that you can bet on it on some offshore sites. Uh, what happened on that panel? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I do not know very much at all about esports. And uh, the bill sponsor, Mike Zulueski, was the first one to stand up and say, hey, we don't either. And we're kind of afraid of things we don't know anything about. But the person who spoke on that did a great job actually explaining how esports would fit in how the integrity of esports is is protected just as well and maybe even better than the integrity of a professional basketball or football game. And it was, by the way, Bob Greenlee from Tusk Strategies who was talking about it. And, you know, he he shared with everybody a good explanation, I guess, of what esports is and how it could be bet on. And I think that it's a topic that the Illinois lawmakers are going to you know, take a deep dive and learn a little bit more about before they decide whether to include it. But they certainly were open to understanding what it is and how it could be included. Jill, how is this going to play out over the next five weeks? That's a really good question. You know, I think that when when Mike and Bob, you know, initially began working on this, they wanted to have sports betting legal in Illinois sometime this year. And obviously the governor, J.B. Pritzker, has all but put out the, the call to legalize with two hearings under already under their belt, you know, and only, what is it, five or six weeks left in the session, mm-hmm. I'd say that if, if they can find a consensus on the different amendments that they've proposed to their sports betting bill, that it could pass pretty quickly. Um, but it's there's a question about whether or not they will be able to come to a consensus and or really just understand if they want to involve esports or what kinds of things they're going to do to help fight gambling addictions um, is another big piece of this, too. So I would say that the odds are probably 50-50 that it would pass, you know, before the summer recess. Um, but I think that you'll see sports betting in Illinois 
probably sooner than later. Terrific information. Check out her fine work at sportshandle.com. Jill R. Dorson, thank you for coming on Early Odds. No problem. Thank you, Joe. That will be fun to monitor as we inch closer and closer to that May 31st deadline. I know your Saturdays are busy. A lot of you guys have families, obligations, so I appreciate you listening every week to Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. I'm on Twitter at Joe0670. Make sure you follow me there and subscribe to the Early Odds podcast. can be found at 670thescore.com or just search Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Up next on The Score, inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. 10 a.m. to 3, the heavy hitters are out to cover the NFL draft and the Bears selections today. Jeff Joniak, David Haw, Tom Thayer, Hubarkish, and Dan Pompey from Soldier Field. I'm back on the air Tuesday at 6 o'clock right here on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.